What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the final Premier League roundup episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast. We will have a separate Bundesliga one and one specifically on the goings-on at Bayern Munich post-title win. But this episode is all about the Premier League. And with me, as always, is Lewis. That's right, guys. There's so much to unpack that you lucky people are getting three episodes for the end of the season, not just the one. But we will be having a look at, of course, the team of the season in the Premier League. Then we will be having a nice little talk about all of the relegated teams. Of course, now Leicester and Leeds joining Southampton and going down to the championship. And then be having a look at the top four and the Europa League. Who made it? Who lost out, if you will, on Champions League? And of course, the ever-growing debate Haaland Kane should Kane be going to a different club and taking his talents to a club that actually could use them and he could actually win some silverware all of that and more right after this but before we start Billy you have some things that our good listeners may have missed I do indeed and we'll start in Holland Ajax missing out on the Champions League this season. I guess life after a certain bold manager isn't always rosy. But their player, Steven Bergwies, punched a fan after their 3-1 loss to FC Twente. Uh, bit of a, a reaction there. We're not entirely sure what was said or what was uh, what went on. But never really would like to see them punch a fan. But the big news, the one that you can't really have missed unless you live under a rock... Luton Town have beaten Coventry on penalties to reach the Premier League and Pelly Ruddock and Panzu becomes the first player to go from non-league to the Premier League with the same club. But now, let's dive straight into the team of the season. Still, goalkeeper position right off the bat, jumping right into it. We did go with Aaron ramsdale or did we billy <laughs> you went for a rogue choice it was so rogue it was rogue and i'll give you my reasoning why i picked Bernd leno because he's essentially revived his international career and his premier league reputation at fulham this season he's back in the national team people started to see him as a competent goalkeeper not the error riddled German understudy that he was when he was at Arsenal. I am happy to go with Aaron Ramsdale, but that's just my reasoning for picking Bernd Lehner. Do you know what? I'll go with this story for now. Um, Bernd Lehner just because of the revival. We love a good revival story, and he was one of the main reasons why Fulham are now the better club in Fulham down there in southwest London. Exactly. Well, moving on to the back four, we've gone pretty self-explanatory for the first two. Kieran Trippier and John Stones. Of course, Kieran Trippier took a massive risk joining Newcastle last January when he did. Yeah, we said it last, last episode as well, didn't we? I mean, 18 months ago, I don't think anyone was seeing Kieran Trippier coming back into the team of the season. And a slightly different role for our next player, John Stones. Now, 
when City have the ball, he tends to play in that sort of inverted centre-back role, I guess you could call it. He essentially plays alongside Rodri in yeah, defensive yeah. midfield. And well, he's been fantastic for City this season. One of the main reasons that they've you know, seen games out and won three titles in a row. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say because I think John Stones almost looked, you know, when Ruben Diaz came in, John Stones seemed to be, you know, almost gone from the picture. But, you know, yeah, as you said, I'd also argue he's also revived his, or I mean, he's taken that next step in in his playing ability and his, and his career. So I think, you know, a lot of credit to John Stones, I think, for how well City have progressed. Our next choice, it is a little bit more of Newcastle United than I think anyone expected. But Fabian Shea, just, you know, probably if you gave someone a title of most improved, Fabian Shea has to be getting it. Exactly. Honourable mention as well for Sven Botman, but we said it last week. It's the players that have been bought into Newcastle that have made the team around them play better. And Fabian Scher is a prime example of that alongside Sven Botman. It could have been either one of them. But yeah, a player yeah. that some Newcastle fans probably would have expected not to last very long under the new regime, but he's been fantastic and him and Sven Botman at the heart of that defence for Newcastle, it's probably got some longevity to it. Yeah, re- really, really does. I think our last choice will, hmm, I guess, shock some listeners. But Lewis Dunk, I think synonymous for, or synonymous with Brighton's astounding run and subsequent securing of the Europa League. Yeah, he's the captain. He's fantastic at the heart of that defence for Brighton. He's been with them since since the lower divisions. And if anyone deserves some recognition, particularly in the back line for Brighton, then it's it's Lewis Dunk. And he's been rewarded with an England call-up for the next set of qualifiers as well, which I think he should get some caps in those as well. Exactly, exactly. Moving on to midfield, I think... This midfield is pretty self-explanatory. Not a lot of clubs could have just gone and said, you know what, we're going to get a five-time Champions League winner into our squad. But Manchester United did do exactly that. And I think no signing that United did, that United made had such an impact and brought so much to the team as Casemiro did. Because, you know, he is just... Everyone needs in that midfield that defensive midfield that does all the dirty work, and that is just Casemiro, and he does it brilliantly. Also, fun fact: Casemiro has more goals against Chelsea than a hundred million pound signing Mikhailo Mudrik has scored for Chelsea. We love a stat like that. Oh, I think yeah. it's it's one of those ones where for years United have been criticised for not having that genuine defensive player that you know City had Fernandinho for years and then when Fernandinho was on his way out they had Rodri and it was just okay why don't we have that and then Casemiro was brought and said oh well you shouldn't have paid that much money it's like well the impact the impact he's had is fantastic yeah and the other two I think 
pretty much picked themselves as well. Kevin De Bruyne, 16 assists in the Premier League this season. And Martin Odegaard, who a bit of a rocky career after his move to Real Madrid. Didn't really work it, out. Yeah. But I enjoy watching him play. I mean, not only enjoy watching him play, but, you know, we said as well, it is just so nice to see a player who seemed to be down and out and, you know, the Wunderkind that will never come to fruition because he just got way too much hype when he was a 16-year-old. And now he is playing superbly in a side that had, for the longest time, a title, you know, a title charge, really written all over the season. I mean, yeah, you know, Arsenal need to work on a few things, especially mentality-wise towards, you know, crunch time in a season for them to really win something. But I think, you know, Martin Udegaard, heart of that midfield, and he's definitely got some exciting times ahead. Look, seven assists and 15 goals. 15 goals from midfield is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, when you've got the likes of Ollie Watkins got 15 goals from, and he's a striker, he's got more goals than Mitrovic, more goals than Rodrigo, more goals than Gabriel Jesus. I mean, look at it this way. Frank Lampard's best season at Chelsea, I believe, was 12 goals in a season. And everyone said Lampard was this absolute dangerous midfielder in front of goal. Udegaard now has three goals more than that. But you won't hear it from the media because he's not English. Exactly. Now, with the front three, two of them... Pick themselves. Pick yeah. themselves. And that is, of course, Erling Haaland and Harry Kane. 36 goals for Haaland. Ridiculously enough, 30 goals for Harry Kane. 26 individual matches scored in as well, which is a new record for the Premier League. But the thing I I think, or the, the point for me that is most you know, outstanding is the fact that Harry Kane scored 30 goals in a struggling Tottenham side, which almost begs the question, you know, at some point you have to look at the teams that, or the team that Haaland plays in and the team that Harry Kane plays in. And Harry Kane is doing almost as good as Haaland and he's got, you know, arguably way poorer service and a team around him that, you know, just isn't up to par with even European places. How much would er how really how much would Erling Haaland score if you were in that Tottenham side? It's a genuine question. They still have some creative players. I mean, obviously they missed Rodrigo Bentancur, but Kulusevski, Son, he'd get probably around that mark. I don't think he'd get thirty six. Probably not, but he. But that's. But I still think that you know Harry Kane does deserve some plaudit for you know doing as well as he has because as good as Kulusevski and Son may be, no one's gonna. No one can tell me that Kulusevski and Son are gonna provide better service than the likes of Jack Grealish, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, just to name a few. Even Bernardo Silva, Ilkay Gundogan, there's just too much quality going on in that city team. Well, do you want another stat about Harry Kane? 
Yes. He's, he's the first player in Premier League history to score 30-plus goals in two 38-game seasons in 17-18 and, of course, this season. And uh, he didn't win the Golden Boot in either of those. That's depressing. You know, Salah won it in the 17-18 uh, season and obviously Haaland won it this year. True. What was Salah's and... tally? I think it was 33 or something like that. 33, 34, something like that. Yeah. And... Erling Haaland, it's ridiculous, Erling Haaland. Uh, and we won't talk too much about it because it's just not a surprise. And we've spoken about it before that he is a freak. The last one. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, really, enough said is uh, the last one. We have had a dispute. For me, even though Liverpool had a subpar season Mo Salah is and should be in that team of the season for me he's got 19 goals 15 assists in 38 games now Billy here who did you put up you make it sound like I've picked someone ridiculously rogue. Like this isn't—I haven't picked Anthony Gordon. <laughs> I went with Marcus Rashford, and the reason being, okay, yes, didn't get as many goals or assists as Mohamed Salah, but the improvement from last season—he got five goals and two assists in the Premier League last season. Okay, but this isn't. This is a team of the season, not most improved player. I I can definitely take it into our honorable mention. Like I have no problem with that, but he it's cannot. Not, it's not. Cannot it's not. It's it's not happening. It's not happening. It is. It's not happening. It's not happening. I think we should let the people decide. So we'll yes. put a poll up on Instagram and on Twitter. But for those people that love football for what it is, it'll be Marcus Rashford for no, the stat no, whores no. for the stat slags. Like your good self over there, people will pick Mohamed Salah for the purists. That's nothing who, to do who with believe that. In... I'm sorry. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, everyone knows that the people who score the most goals usually get the most plaudits, which is wrong. It's the only reason the Ballon d'Or is not a serious award. Yeah, but still, at the end of the day, Marcus Rashford missed so many games due to injury this season. Yes. No, last season he missed so many more games through injury. Okay, but and, he still missed and, a sizable amount and, this season. And, and, oh boy, football is about feeling, not about stats. Oh. Be, if you want to be a stats man, go and watch You're the appealing NFL. To everyone's go and watch the NFL. I am not, appealing oh. to the football is emotional. Football gets you emotional. That's I've never true, watched a football match still. and been. Mm, I don't feel anything when I'm watching this. Because the minute I feel okay, that, Bill, the minute Bill, I stop watching football. Billy, we have already said we would let the people decide. And I've already said. The exactly. purists will pick Marcus Rashford. Yes, 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 yes. Even though Marcus Rashford has definitely had a worse season than most. Anyways, let's move on to the top four slash Europa League battle. Because Liverpool... And United went down to the wire to see who could secure that last top four spot. In the end, obviously, Billy finally gets to see some Champions League nights. Again, doesn't have to tune in on a Thursday. I guess 
you're a little bit happy about that. Yeah, I think that was probably the aim at the start of the season for Ten Hag. Fair enough. To be in an FA Cup final and having already won the Carabao Cup, I think it just makes it from a a good season to a a better season. Yeah. And, I mean, look, all the people going, oh, it could come down to the final day. Oh, they they could have got it with Bournemouth, but for me, no equaliser. It's like, no, it was, it was up against Chelsea. It was always going to happen against Chelsea because Chelsea yeah. are awful. In a game, incidentally, it could have been about 8 all <laughs> if Chelsea had any attacking nous. No composure in front of goal. Like, Mudrick is... He yeah. will be good. He will be good. He will be. But There's my... just way too much pressure heaped on his shoulders at the minute. And I mean, exactly. we've already flogged Chelsea enough this season, which is why we're not going to do it again. Um, and I don't want to just turn this into a, oh, look, United are back in, in the Champions League. Um, so we're going to ditch that. And we're going to focus on the Europa League and the Conference League. We'll start with the Europa League. Obviously, Liverpool are in it. Um, it's probably not where Liverpool would have expected to have been at the start of the season. But they're there. Jurgen Klopp has said, like, oh, you know, look, we're still in Europe. It just means we're having to play on a Thursday night. I give it two game weeks into that Europa League group stage campaign before he's complaining about the schedule. Like, we played uh, away on a Thursday. And with then the half twelve kickoff away at Goodison Park on the Saturday. Did Ollie make a big thing of it? No, he just said it was wrong. <laughs> but Jurgen Klopp will have the banners out and everything. I just, I'll just give it two weeks. Incidentally, it's a competition they can quite easily and probably quite comfortably go on and win. Yeah, it'll be European silverware for for Liverpool, which you know I think. Should do they should deserve it? I mean, or they they do deserve it to a certain extent. I mean, if just going by the fact you know they were already in the Europa League final against uh Sevilla, basically, like the last time they went, or Klopp basically was you know on the way to taking them back to Champions League glory. I mean, yeah, you said it, they don't want to be there, but at the end of the day, Liverpool just had such a mixed start to the season you know so many draws and then you know lost here and there where no one was expecting it yeah they beat united 7-0 but that was a fluke at the end of the day um you know united were just so off it and liverpool just were on it you know they're gonna be those games i think nothing has been as telling as what Didi Haman said, and that was the fact, you know, the Liverpool players are just burnt out. They've been playing at such a high level for so many years and so many seasons. It doesn't matter where the Liverpool players are, even, you know, you take a look at Sadio Mane at Bayern. Gary Neville already said it. He could not have been more shocked that Mane at Bayern has gone so colossally wrong and in the wrong direction. Um, yeah, I I would just say Liverpool just needed a season, you know, a reset, a little bit of a reset. They need to kind of be away from that top-notch play because I, 
I would almost say that they they have been playing so well and gotten so little for the fact that they've been playing unbelievable football. You know, the amount of times where it was just City were just a tad bit better and Liverpool had an insane season. You know, that one season where they were 97 point, you know, 97 point season, you would think wins you the Premier League. And it didn't. It, it was things like that. I think that at some point takes a toll. So, you know, Liverpool, we'll see them back in the Champions League season after next i think there's no doubt about that um and yeah like you said probably favorites to win the europa league and you know they'll strengthen in the summer with one player being alexis McAllister, rumored heavily to be going yeah to liverpool from brighton incidentally the other team that qualified for the europa league which is if you think about it ridiculous Especially and, because they lost the manager that arguably set up the club to go in this direction. But they replaced him and they brought in a manager who has taken that to the next level. Not even a full season in charge at Brighton. And Roberto De Zerbi deserves all the plaudits. Yeah. If it wasn't for things like Newcastle getting the Champions League, perhaps, or... I don't know, the way Arsenal have played under Arteta or the fact that Aston Villa have gone from 16th to Conference League places under Unai Emery, I would have said to Zerbi for manager of the season. But it's just the way that squad plays. It's ridiculous. You, you look at the players they've brought in, and CISO is ridiculous. Will be another like 50, 60, 70. From where are they getting these players, man? It's the, That's the crazy part. It is the crazy part. Um, we did a, a sort of a deeper dive into that a couple of weeks ago, if you go back and listen to that, where it's great while it's going well. Look at Southampton. The minute one of them doesn't work out or a minute that someone gets injured or something, it all starts to crumble. I don't think it will happen with Brighton yet. I think they've got a long way to go, especially under this manager. But, you say that though, you they are losing most likely with McAllister, one of the biggest midfield motors they've got. You know, there's a reason that McAllister also played a part in, you know, or a crucial part in, you know, Argentina's uh road to World Cup glory. Um, you know, for me, losing a player of that stature. I wonder, or I'm, I'm very, very interested to see how Brighton can compensate that. I think they can, but it's not going to be easy. Well, that's the thing. They're possibly, probably going to lose Moises Caicedo as well, which would be another massive loss. But it's up to that recruitment and that scouting department to yeah. replace them. You know, like they replace the players that they've lost in the past. Definitely, definitely. I just before we. Uh, move on to Aston Villa. Uh, I just want to give you the top three from the championship at the end of the 2016-17 season. So Newcastle, champions with 94 points. Brighton went up second uh, the, in the second automatic promotion play with 93. And Reading were third, first playoff place with 85. So Newcastle just reached the Champions League. Brighton just reached the Europa League and Reading have just gone down to League One. That's insane. So it shows you, obviously there's a vast difference between Newcastle and Reading, but Brighton and Reading particularly 
probably at the time similar sized, similar squad quality and things like that. Just shows you how running a team well, making the right choices, the right investments in squad and infrastructure and things like that can propel you. Which leads us nicely onto Aston Villa. Yeah, I mean, have a look at who was managing that team. Steven Gerrard, rightly so, everyone thought, you know, Steven Gerrard might be, might be destined to do great things with Villa. At some point, something snapped. Gerrard didn't reach his team anymore. And, you know, like you said, 16th, they fired Gerrard, bring in Unai Emery, who... You know, he had that stint at Arsenal, but it didn't really work out for him. And I think a lot of people were interested to see what he would do with this Villa team. Well, what he's done with that Villa team, you know, they're going to the Europa Conference League. Aston Villa are playing European football next season. It doesn't matter that it's going to be, you know, sometimes in a hole in the wall in Kazakhstan, for instance. It's still European football. And... Coincidentally, it was the first time that, you know, that Roma won an international title in the clubs in their club's history with Mourinho last season. So don't, you know, knock the conference league for what it means to, you know, the Aston Villas, the, you know, uh, even to a certain extent, teams like SC Freiburg in the Bundesliga, for instance, um, you know, clubs who normally wouldn't exactly have the chance at European places. Obviously, now that I've said that, um, a lot of people are going to be talking on social media and saying, well, Flyburg, they're in the Europa League, and they already have been. Yes, but, you know, a few years ago, definitely weren't dreaming of making Europa League two years in a row. Um, so, yeah, I think Conference League will be interesting. Aston Villa, I could see doing a West Ham and making it to the final. Well, not just because of the squad quality, but Unai Emery's a menace when it comes to European football. You know, he's won exactly. the Europa League with with Villarreal and with Sevilla, and it's especially Sevilla with their with their Europa League hack trick, basically. Exactly. So he's got pedigree in that tournament, and that will make those players and yeah. almost elevate those players. Yeah. Say, look, he this manager can get us to where we want to be. And there's this video going around. It was like Aston Villa uh, players on the bus and they're looking out the window. Douglas Louise is filming it. Mm. And you can hear Jacob Ramsey going, oh, it's only conference league. And he's like, oh, you know, shut up, JJ, man. It's and he, calls him a, he calls him a twat. <laughs> but that, and people are reading into it, but it's, it's just the overwhelming, I mean, you should see the video. It's, thousands of people yeah yeah along this bus route and it's imagine what it would be like if they won the thing insane i think and, birmingham birmingham would be rocking for you know a week straight i mean yeah birmingham fans would probably have to move i was about to say <laughs> good old bcfc would even become would become even more irrelevant in birmingham <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, I've I'll, gone and had a heart take. I'm I'll, kidding. I'll, I'm kidding. I'll, I'll, post, I'll post his home address online and people can send him <laughs> abuse. I'm sorry, but, Birmingham City fans. It 
it's no big knock. It just is the fact that your neighbors happen to be a tad bit, a tad bit more. Well, if they they accomplished, it's just they they've they've been. They've, they've had more stints in the Premier League. You know, I'm just going to... I'll hand you another shovel so you can dig yourself a deeper hole. Let's move away from Birmingham. Let's... I just want to focus quickly. Ollie Watkins, 15 goals. is fantastic. I put him way... I put him in my uh, fantasy team way too late this season. You did. But it's the difference in players when Gerard was there and when Unai Emery was there. because all this The same stuff... squad, yeah. All this stuff about Stephen Giles that he wouldn't... Obviously, Stephen Giles was the manager. He wasn't a, the first-team coach. He very rarely took training, very rarely got involved. So he just picked the players on a Saturday or a Sunday, whatever. Unai Emery's hands-on. He'll take the sessions, he'll... I'm sorry, but that should be a coach's job. You're supposed to be on the pitch 24-7 with your team, not just letting your assistant coaches do your job. Then you Then you shouldn't be a manager. I'm sorry. Well, Steven Gerrard was billed as the new Liverpool manager, eventually taking over from Jurgen Klopp. He's going to be Whoa. lucky now if he gets a job at a Sunday league team in Liverpool. <laughs> Let's leave the fantastic achievements of Brighton and Aston Villa. Do let us know on Twitter and Instagram what you think those teams will do next season in those respective competitions. And let's talk about the other two relegation places, because it was a bit of a topsy-turvy game on Sunday for Leicester and Everton. Leeds less so. So Leicester and Leeds are down, but it wasn't all that straightforward because Leicester took the lead through Harvey Barnes against West Ham. Yeah. And they were safe. 52 minutes uh, gone. Abdullah Dukure scored a, what was a fantastic volley uh, to put Everton one up against... Bournemouth, and then that just made it academic. Whatever Leicester did, they were down because Everton were winning. Yeah, yeah. they won two one in the end, Leicester, but it, it just wasn't enough. And if you look at some of the some of the players that are available from relegated sides, man. So Tielemans obviously leaving on a free. Yeah, yeah. You've got Harvey Barnes and James Madison at Leicester that are going to bring in good fees for that club. Yeah. Sinistera, Crescencio Somerville to a lesser extent, I think, and uh, Nonto from Leeds. Would be surprised if they let Nonto go, given his age. Sinistera, yeah. probably not so much. And then the likes of Ward Prowse, uh, Amal Belakotchap, and Romeo Lavia from Southampton. Yeah, I mean, all all of which, or most of which, are young, exciting players who obviously, you know, they some sometimes they just need that season to learn. Um, but yeah, I would agree they shouldn't they shouldn't be playing, uh, or they definitely have have the skill set to be playing in the prem. You never know. Maybe if some of them don't get moves away, you know, a year in the championship at twenty or twenty one years of age, there are worse things that can happen for you. Um, especially because they probably would start uh, in the championship. But I'd argue some of those players definitely should still find a Premier League team. Yeah, there was a, a rather honest interview from Kaludin Suleimana 
Southampton player. They signed him from Wren in January. Yeah. Um, the, his post match, he scored twice against Liverpool in that four all draw. Mental, by the way. Yeah. And he was, he, he basically said that whatever happens next happens next. If, if I'm if I'm here still, I'll play and I'll help the team try to get back at the first time. Yeah. If there's a chance to go, then I'll go. I mean, at least he's being, you know, candid about his plans. Exactly. You'll get some players, uh Fabian Delph, I'm looking at you, going, Oh no, it's fine. I'm not leaving, and then snakes his way into Man City's team. Just just, just to be a homegrown player. Well, the midfield equivalent of why they've got Scott Carson. I think look, there'll there'll be this massive argument from Leeds fans that they're too big to go down. No. But the fact that they were still playing in their the relegation game they had to win to have any hope of staying up at all. They were still playing Liam Cooper and Adam Forshaw, which are two centre backs that got them up in the first place. There's just been no progression at all. Big Sam played six defenders. In the game they had to win against Spurs. I, I'm sorry, Big Sam. I know he's, you know, the firefighter in the Premier League. But Jesus Christ, man. If that's your last hope for a manager to keep you in the Prem, you've got some big problems. There's there's a difference between fight, uh, fighting fires and deliberately setting them off. And it wasn't just the Big Sam, you know, you know, he, he said all that stuff. That I was like, oh, you know, in the Premier League, there's no one better than yeah, I'm sorry, than, than me. And then proceeded to not win a single game. But <laughs> the I'm going to call it Experiment USA. Oh. So obviously Jesse Marsh got the sack in February. They were 17th at that point. Yeah, they spent 50 million on Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams. Uh, Brendan Harrison does have a relegation clause. He can go. To be fair, though, Tyler Adams did play well at Leipzig. Yeah, and Tyler Adams has been injured a lot this season. The biggest one uh, was Weston McKenney, who they brought in on loan from Juventus. They had an option to buy for thirty-four million. Obviously, oh. haven't taken it, and they hate him. They absolutely cannot stand him. Like, you know, saying oh, he's, he's not fit enough, he's too fat, he's not... I don't think it's that. I just think he knew it Weston was just... McKenney was such a good player. Like, he deserved ah, the move I... to Shai... from Schalke to Juventus, in my I opinion. S- I've said this to someone uh, who supports Leeds. Uh, he looked good in that Schalke side because everyone else was shit. I was about to say, like, he, like okay, maybe I should make another statement relative to what I just said. He deserved a move from Schalke, not necessarily to Juventus. That he got that big of a club was surprising even for me. Now, with the way things are looking at Juventus, it seems more fitting that he is, you know, he's ended up there. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, Weston McKenney had a lot more promise than what I think he's shown this season. And uh, just to, to cap it all off for West McKenney at Leeds, his dad shared a tweet uh, today 
Well, he, he, he retweeted a video, and I'll tell you what the video is afterwards, but he put all the best Leeds United. For those who supported Western in a hostile environment, you have my respect. For those who fail to remember it's a team sport, you live to fight another day. Uh, that lovely message from John McKenney <laughs> was quote-tweeted <laughs> over a video entitled Seven Years Ago Today, R.I.P. Harambe. Which I think might be the best thing ever to ever happen on Twitter. Because one, has he just been looking at that video and going, <laughs> oh, you know, seven years, uh, you know, rest up my sweet prince. And then decided, you know, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about my son's uh loan move at <laughs> United and just hit quote. <laughs> because I can't think of any re or or is he likening? I can't. I can't think. Is he likening his son's career to the death of a gorilla? <laughs> it just. It just doesn't make sense. Just because. Because people were sad when that gorilla died. I don't think there'd be many people who would be sad if Weston McKenney faded into obscurity. <laughs> Particularly those at Leeds. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure Leeds fans have a lot bigger problems now with uh, with the fact that. It'll probably take him another, you know, fifteen years to, or seventeen years, better said, uh, to, you know, go back up to the prem. Because, like, I mean, like you said, there's just been no progression. They play the same centre backs that they had when they got promoted the last time in a must-win relegation uh, game. You know, it's just if you don't progress, at some point, you just have to ask yourself, what were we really doing? Uh, one thing I will say. Before I give you some uh, some odds for next season on the relegated side, uh, Jorginho Rutter. Kenny, he for that man, did so well at Hoffenheim. Or I mean, I say so well. He did relatively well at Hoffenheim. Penny for that man's thoughts, oh. because <laughs> final game, players walking off. They've been relegated. He throws his shirt into the crowd. The crowd proceeds to throw it back. <laughs> so. He's not going to be there next season. I don't know why he left Hoffenheim. He probably would have done so much better. And 30, Hoffenheim made 30, 34 million. Christ. It's almost I mean, it's as just bad. When he moved to the Prem, that's all he saw. Yeah, I know. But players need to start looking at things before they make these moves. Yeah. It's almost as bad as uh, uh, Jean Kevin Augustin. Oh, yeah. Kevin Augustin, he was that was such a shit show. I mean, he got he he probably you know deservedly so won the legal battle that ensued, but still, ouch. So you know, but one quick thing before we end this Premier League episode, because I just want to throw it out there in our fantasy league for fantasy <laughs> Premier League. Should I just read out, you know, some uh, some stats here? I don't want you to. I, I, can I just say something in my defense before you massacre me in front of everyone? I've said this to you. I've said this already. Football is a feelings game. It's not about stats. Well, that may be and, the case in the real world. And uh, I also continuously forget to change my fantasy team 
uh, because my fantasy app keeps logging me out and I don't get the notifications. It's not an excuse. I don't have the notifications turned on either. I still manage to win. It's no excuse. But going into the final game, I had Kaylor Navas, who was injured, Martinelli, who was injured, and Ivan Tony, who's been suspended for gambling. So, well, I also have Paolo Gatsaniga and Kennedy, who no longer play in the Premier League on my bench, (laughs) as well as Phil Jones. So, you know. Oh, but my God. Massacre away. Massacre away. Well, in first place, yours truly, scored 73 points on game week 38 and a to- grand total of 2,212 points. Second place, to be fair, Billy. Second oh, place. okay. I'm not that far behind. Had I tried. You're only, you're only the 105 points behind me. That's a yeah. solid amount. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> But Your again, thirty-eight had forty-seven points. Which, given the fact that you have an injured Kaylor Navas and Martinelli and a suspended Ivan Tony, is actually quite decent. Thank you very much. I mean, you've got Ollie Watkins and Harry Kane, so obviously, you just happen to have a good round because neither Trippier nor Dunk got you any points. But um, yeah, to you know, funnily enough, I only joined the league like last minute, like literally, like the last possible moment you could before the before the season started. Okay, suck your dick anymore. Jesus. Oh, I picked my starting 11 blindfolded with my nose. God, I'm okay, sorry, we get to. it. I just have to. We get it. You won. <laughs> it's just because in uni, I was always like fifth or sixth out of like oh, 10. God, I'm not looking forward to next week's Bundesliga one either. Mm, oh, uh, there's an equally, equally juicy one. That's that even that's even worse. That's not hundreds of points. That's thousands, thousands. of points. To be Again, fair though, for the, I've for not checked that since don't Christmas. Know the app Kickbase. In Kickbase, every week a player doesn't get you know, like a player's high score isn't you know forty points. That's not a ridiculous game from that player. Player, it would be you know upwards of two hundred points because players then get you know a point for a completed pass, um, and then they get minus one point if their pass is incomplete or they get minus 12 if they miss a um a big scoring opportunity and you know if they score they don't get you know what is it in the prem in the fantasy premier league one like three or four points see this is what i mean like 80 points a goal so it's a lot like uh, it's a lot easier it's a lot easier to have you know to if you if you miss out like on a match day or if you're you know if you don't do everything in that. But anyways, we'll, this is, we'll get this to that. Is, we'll get to that. This is what I mean. There's too many stats involved in football. I'm going to make a, a fantasy app. What, just based just, on emotional... It's just, you know, uh, a player scored a last-minute winner. That's a 1,000 points because <laughs> it was amazing. You know, you if Mohamed Salah scores a hat-trick in a game that Liverpool wins 6-0, he gets one point for each goal because it's just mathematical at this point. But if... If Julio and Cesar were scoring a 97th minute winner at the Etihad, that's like 6,000 points for Julio and Cesar. And a pat on the back for everyone that's played him that week. Oh, my. It's happening. Before we finish, it's not all doom and gloom for Leicester, Leeds, and Southampton. Well, depending on how you see these odds. I was about to say. (laughs) Uh, Southampton, currently 10 to 1 to win the championship next season. That's the same odds as Middlesbrough. Leeds are eleven to two, so second favorite. Mm-hmm. Leicester, current favorites to win the championship, five to one. 
So, yeah, I mean, that, that could I all mean, change when they lose about seven or eight players. But I mean, at least it's not like when, you know, Kevin Malone says, if anyone gives you 10,000 to one odds, you take it. If John <laughs> Mellencamp ever wins an Oscar, I'm going to be a very rich dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I think on that note, we will leave it, not for this week, my good friends, but just for a couple of days because we still do have a nice little roundup of the Bundesliga and then probably the biggest bombshell to drop after the Bundesliga ended. So we have two more episodes coming for you guys. But as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to check out the previous episodes of Season 4 of the 50 Plus 1 Football Podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game. <laughs>